This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. New Song Church, how you doing this morning? Good, good to see you. Hey, let me echo uh, what Pastor Ashley said um, next week, the next couple weeks. Next week is our friends and family Christmas service. Then after that, we have our candlelight service. And uh, they say statistically that 82% of people who are invited to a Christmas service will attend if invited. But sadly, only 2% of people actually reach out and invite someone. So church, let's be the 2%, right? Let's, let's just be those people who invite people uh, and who make a way for them to come. Not just inviters, but let's be bringers. Let's get people here. And uh, I can tell you this, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to do our best to present the gospel message of Jesus Christ, what Christmas is really all about, in a way that's very tangible, very real to the people who are coming. So if you know people that are lost, get them here. I believe God's going to do a great work. And then also, you saw that, that promo. Uh, we're almost, you know, it's Christmas season, but we're almost to a, a brand new year. And uh, every year... Here at New Song Church, we do a little three-day conference at the beginning of the year called Blocks, and it's it's about that idea of like getting in the starting box. You know, before uh, some people like, like if you're in a race, before you you dart off into the race, dart off into the race, <laughs> before you race, you get into the starting blocks, right? And the starting blocks are kind of a position to enable you to get running like quickly, get up to speed very quickly, and that's kind of what this conference is about. We believe that there's a race. Uh, to be run this year and not just run, but won this year. And so we want to do our best to prepare you and to prepare our church to step into this year uh, as best we can. So Blocks kind of kicks off 21 days of prayer and fasting. We'll have brand new Being Transformed journals that you'll hear about. I think we'll have those in hand next week. You can start picking those up. And, uh, and then Blocks, we've got, uh, guys, we've got Corey Russell coming to Blocks this year. And I know a lot of you don't know who this is, but let me just tell you, get ready, all right? Like, buckle, buckle up, because this dude is amazing. Uh, I, I have, I honestly have never heard anybody like this guy. He is like, kind of like a modern day John the Baptist type preacher. And I'm telling you, he is straight fire. Um, I, I was telling Sarah this week, we're, we're picking him up from the airport whenever he comes in. And Sarah was kind of telling me, I'm a little afraid. Like, she's a little... <laughs> And I didn't tell her, but I kind of am too. No, but no, I'm, I'm just, I'm letting you know, it's going to be awesome. And uh, so make sure that you're here, make plans to be with us. I, I don't know if we're registering for this. I should know things like this, but I don't, but just be prepared if you need to register. We're planning on this place being packed. We're planning on being in overflow because that's just where we are, but we're going to do our best to make that as good as it can possibly be. So be with us for that. All right. If you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six. Who's got a paper Bible? If you got a paper Bible, wave it at me. Let me see it. Look at some of you. Paper Bibles. Get a paper Bible, people. Paper Bibles are great. So good. Write in them. Turn pages. That page turning thing, that's pretty cool, right? Matthew chapter 6. We've been in this series called How to Pray. We're actually concluding that series today. And uh, I, I hope that this has been a great series for you. I really, I really believe God has done a work throughout this series. And I believe He's going to continue as we close that out uh, today. My daughter, Sunny, this week, um, she turned 10 on Wednesday. And Sunny is our youngest, so she is the baby in the family, right? Any babies in the family in the house today? My hand is up. I am a baby in the family. And if you're a baby in the family, um, you know how it is. When you're the baby in the family, uh, people are looking out for you, right? Like there's a lot of people who have gone before you. There's a lot of people ahead of you, and they're looking out for you. And so Sunny, our, being our baby, learned very early on that when there is an injustice that takes place in her life, she has learned to look to people older than her to step in and to provide a sense of, of salvation in her life, right? So when something goes wrong, she looks to uh, either her mom and I, or if her brother and sister aren't the cause of the injustice, she will look to them, <laughs> she'll look to them as, as well. So when something goes wrong, she looks to one of us to step in and to help, and very often we do because she's She's the baby, right? So a few years ago, actually seven years ago, it was Easter weekend, and it was Saturday, and in our neighborhood that we were living in at this time, on Easter weekend, they would do this big neighborhood-wide Easter egg hunt in this field that was right outside of our neighborhood, and they would section it off into all these different sections uh, with like these age-appropriate Easter egg areas for the kids. So there was one for the upper elementary-age kids, the younger elementary-age kids, the preschool-age kids, and then the, like the little bitties, like three and under. 
And so, so Sunny is three years old, and, and she's getting ready to go hunt her area. And if you've ever seen one of these Easter egg hunts, it's pretty amazing. Like, these little kids, like, don't let kids, like, get you to believe that they can't pick up after themselves. Because you watch one of these Easter egg hunts, and you're like, oh, they can do this. And they're very good at it, actually. You put them in a field with these Easter egg hunts, and they will hoover those things up. It's crazy. Like a vacuum cleaner. They just blow through it. So we're getting ready to cut them loose. They count down three, two, one, and then they go nuts. And so Sonny's getting ready to go. And so I get down on my knee beside her and I'm talking to her, you know, like a good trainer would getting her prepared. And she's got her, she's got her game face on. She's got a little butterfly playing on her face. She's three little chubby cheeks, blue eyes, blonde hair. She's looking at this area. She's locked in. I mean, locked in focus. And so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm like, Hey, you got a plan here? What's the plan? What's the strategy? What are you going after first? And she, I remember she's just looking at the field, locked in. She, she never looks at me. She just looks and she points to this little purple and white egg and she goes, that one white Dale. <laughs> I said, all right, girl, you got this. And so I, I left her with her brother and her sister. I went over to the side to get out the video camera to kind of capture this moment. And so they count down three, two, one, and they turn these kids, they turn these kids loose. And so she starts running towards this this egg with all her three-year-old fervor that she has. Now, if you've ever seen a three-year-old run, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of vertical energy exposed. Like, it's like they're running in place and someone's pulling them along by a string attached to their belly button. A lot of vertical energy, not so much horizontal, but eventually, like, it kind of catches up and she moves out there. So she's running, she's running to get to this egg, and I kid you not, right before she gets to it, this other little girl bumps right in between her, picks up the egg, puts it in the Easter basket, and just keeps on going. So now an injustice has taken place. She's the baby. She had a vision for this egg. This was her egg. That one, White Dale, is gone. So what does she do as the baby? She looks to us. She turns around and is appalled by the circumstances and just looks at us and freezes. And she's over there looking at us and just going... Meanwhile, the eggs are disappearing like crazy. And so we're on the outside looking at her, yelling at her, hey, forget about that egg. Just start picking up eggs. You're going to miss out if you don't just start picking up some eggs right now. We're yelling at her, trying to get her focused because she's so focused on what she's missed out on. She doesn't recognize what's all around her. And in a way, this is kind of what prayer is like. <laughs> So very often we find ourselves in a situation with prayer where we're missing out on picking up of the generosity and the blessings and the favor and the, and beyond just the, like the blessings that God wants to give you, the healing, the, the, the all of those things, there's, there's the relationship that we can have with him that we so often miss out on because we just simply won't pick up and receive of what's been given. Very often we find ourselves in our spiritual walk with God, looking to God like she was looking to us going, God, this isn't fair. I thought it was going to work out a certain way, and it's not going the way I thought it would. And, and meanwhile, God's looking at us saying, hey, I've placed so much more around you. Would you just reach out, and would you just grab a hold of all that I put around you? See, one of the things that prayer does is prayer enables us to pick up what God has set out for us. And so hopefully, as we've been in this series talking about prayer, you've, you've come to understand prayer in a greater way. You've come to understand it from a practical sense, but also from a powerful sense, because ultimately this, this series, we've spent six weeks in this, is not just to talk about prayer, but it's to get you praying. It's to get you understanding the power of prayer and the possibility of prayer. And so that you begin to be, move from just being a person who prays to a praying person. So if you've been with us, we've been walking our way through this acronym, PRAY, P-R-A-Y. The P stands for, who remembers it stands for? pause, that before we, we just jump into prayer, that we, we pause, we slow down, we quiet the house, we, and, and, we, and we take a moment so that we don't miss out. So often we're moving at such a frantic pace, and there's so much going on around us, kind of like Sunny in the, middle of that, in the middle of that egg hunt. There's so much going on around us that we just have to pause and slow down and reconnect with the voice of God in the proper way. We pause. The R stands for uh, rejoice, but it also stands for relationship. And that's why we can rejoice, because we've been invited into relationship with God. We can talk to Him, and He can, he can talk to us. And the God of all creation, the all-powerful, almighty, all-everything God, says that He wants to invite us into relationship where He's our Father. He's our, our Abba, and that's possible. And we rejoice over that. It's cause for rejoicing. For the past couple weeks, we've been talking about asking. 
and that it's okay to ask in prayer. God wants you to ask. In fact, asking is required in, in order for you to step into some of the kingdom possibilities that God has for you, that God wants to do through your life. You're going to have to ask and that you have to ask and you have to keep on asking. Even when it doesn't work out the way you thought it would, even when that prayer seems to go unanswered, which I would argue that prayers are never unanswered. You just may not like the answer, but but we keep on asking because we trust God. We trust his goodness that even when it doesn't work out the way we thought it would, it doesn't mean it's not working out for our good. And that today we come to the Y, which stands for yield. Somebody say yield. And, and today I want to talk to you about the position of yielding. Yielding our heart to the Lord. Yielding our prayers unto the Lord. Yielding our life unto the Lord. And what that can do for us. Dallas Willard said this. He said, true discipleship involves a continuous yielding to Christ. Notice, it's not a one-time yield. It's not a lift your hand up in a service one time and now you're good and now you can do your thing. It's a continuous yielding of our life. It's a daily yielding of our life. It's a daily merging our ways into the ways of the Lord, allowing His Lordship to shape our character and guide our steps. So today we're going to talk about yielding. And if you would, I'm going to ask you to stand with me one last time as we read Matthew chapter 6 together. The disciples came to Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gave them this model prayer, this prototype prayer. Say it with me, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, let me pray over us today, Lord. We come to you in the sixth week of this series, and once again we ask you, teach us to pray. Or teach us what we need to see in prayer. Lord, we pray that, that we, would have, we would come to this moment, and even now we would begin to yield to your leading. Begin to yield our, our, our thoughts and our, our minds, our hearts, unto you, Lord. We want to hear from you today. We recognize today we don't have it all figured out. And so I pray today that you would speak to every individual person in this room, Lord, so that we can pick up on your voice, we can pick up on your leading, we can step into the role you have for us, and we can, we can be able to grab a hold of these Easter eggs, this provision, these wonderful things that you've placed all around us, Lord. Help us to see it. Give us eyes to see, hearts to understand, Give us wisdom, and we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're in a kind of new and unique season in the Blunt home right now. We've never experienced this before, but we have, uh, currently have a child who's learning how to drive. In fact, Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, our son uh, got his, his learner's permit. He's actually been driving for a little while. It's just been illegal. <laughs> so now, now it's legal, right? And, uh, and so we've been teaching him how to drive. Now, I, I got my driver's license on my 16th birthday, November 4th, 1996. 20, wow, what, really? That was fun. Gen, dang Gen Zers, wow. Anyway, yeah, 27 years ago. So I've been driving for a while now, right? Anybody been driving like 25, 30 plus years? You've been driving. So here's what happens. When you've been driving as long as we have, you don't think about the rules of driving very often. It doesn't mean I'm not abiding by them. I just don't think about them. Like at one point, I had to come to a stop sign. And I had to think about who gets to go next. I don't, I, that, it just kind of happens now. It just kind of, it just works out. It's not until you're driving with someone who's learning the rules that you start to kind of really go back and start to examine, okay, this is how this works. This is why we do this, because you have to explain it to them. So I've been, I've been explaining to my son as I'm teaching him how to drive, how some of this works, why it works the way it does. And one of the things that's come up in the process of teaching him how to drive is this concept of yielding. And yielding is something that you do a lot if you're driving, unless you're a jerk. <laughs> you need to be yielding, okay? It's a part of driving. We yield to each other. We yield to other drivers. Someone say amen. amen. So uh, it's important that we yield. Yielding, when it comes to driving terms, means this. The concept of yielding means relinquishing the right of way to another road user. Relinquishing. Notice, notice these terms, okay? This is important. Relinquishing the right of way. It was funny. Last night, 
one of our team members on the, on the church staff was saying they always thought it was right away. Like, right away. Like, but it's not right of way. But we actually don't say that, do we? We're like, oh, they had the right of way. Like, we know, anyway. That has nothing to do with anything, but hey, there you go. But we relinquish the right of way, allowing them, the person who has the right of way, to proceed ahead, thereby enabling oneself to enter into or continue moving within the traffic flow. So, so yielding is this position where you are wanting to yield into a flow that already exists and you're yielding, you're, you're surrendering the right of way so that you can merge into the flow that already exists. So in driving, that's what yielding is. Now, out where we live, um, they've been doing something over the past couple of years. They've been converting some of these four-way stops into roundabouts. It's getting super British out where I live. It's wild. <laughs> And so they've been putting in these roundabouts. And so that has meant over the past couple of years, I've had to do some, some teaching. I'm not just teaching my son how to drive. I'm also teaching my wife, Sarah, how to drive. <laughs> it's an ongoing process. And, and the roundabout was like, she had no concept of this. So here's how it works. When you come to a roundabout, there's merging involved. And so you come up to it and you have to slow down slow down. You may even have to stop and you have to look. You look to your left and if there's a car already in the roundabout to your immediate left, they have the right of way and you let them go. And then hopefully if you do this smoothly, you can slow down enough that you can just kind of fall in behind them. And so the flow just keeps going. There's no stop and start. There's just kind of a, a flow going. Now, sometimes you have to stop, but this is, this is how it is. You're yielding to someone else so you can get into the flow. Uh, if you're yielding to get onto a highway, uh, the people on the highway, just so you know, some of you don't know this, the people on the highway, they have the right of way. So you don't pull out in front of them all slow and shut traffic down. You ever have people do that? It's like, oh, oh, we're stopping. Okay. On the highway. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. God bless you. No, you let them go and you fall in behind them so you don't disrupt the flow. You with me today, church? So in the, in the same way that yielding enables traffic to flow, flow properly, uh, when it comes to our, our spiritual life, when it, comes to a, when it comes to prayer, a yielded heart in prayer allows us to merge our will and our ways with God's will and God's ways on the highway of life. It enables us to fall in behind the Lord and what he's doing and let him lead. So it's, it's merging onto the highway of God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. That's available. That's readily available. But in order for us to get on that highway, we have to merge in. We have to be yielded to saying, I'm not going to try to get ahead of you, God. I'm not going to compete with you here, Lord. I'm not going to try to get in front of you and stop and shut things down. I'm going to fall in behind you and let you lead the way. Yielding is the art of letting God have the right of way. We need to give God the right of way. And when you do, he can direct your path. And he can lead you and he can guide you. And you can step into this path. And it's his position that says, I know, God, that your ways are always the best. I know, God, that this path that you're leading me in is a path that leads to life. And so I'm going to fall in behind you and trust you. Trust the yielding of my life and the merging of my ways with your ways is the best way for my life. Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. I, I, I see four areas here where we can merge our ways with the ways of the Lord. We can give God the right of way, hand over the right of way to Jesus. It says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So there's four areas I see as we, as we close out this, this series with yielding our hearts unto the Lord Four things that we can do to yield to Jesus, to give him the right of way. Number one, yield in continuation. Yield in continuation. Look at the very last verse, verse 13. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Notice this last word. Say it with me. Amen. Say it again. Amen. Now we say that all the time. If you're a Christian, you, you, you've obviously used amen or amen. You know, if you're a little bit more like holy, amen. 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 But so often we don't really actually understand what, what it means. We think like, we think of it as like a, a, a thing that we say to kind of like stop the conversation. Uh, amen is like, I'm done praying or, or amen is like, I agree with the person who's speaking. You know, sometimes I'm up here preaching. I'm going to say, can I get an amen? And you guys say, amen. and that are, is that a part of it in, in a way? Yes. But amen is more than that. 
Amen means this. It means so be it. And actually, in the context of how Jesus uses it in the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's not a, a period statement. It's a comma statement. In other words, it's, it's like a pause statement. That doesn't mean that we're, we're cutting things off. It means there's a continuation that's going to that's gonna go on in this connection that we have with the Lord. Uh, C.S. Lewis says it like this, saying amen in prayer is not a closing of the book, but a turning of the page. It's the realization that our dialogue with God is a perpetual story with chapters of learning and growth yet to unfold. Tim Keller says, in the symphony of faith, amen is not the final note, it's the moment of pause. It's an acknowledgement that our journey with God continues with melodies of grace and rhythms of redemption awaiting us. So, so saying amen is not a sign of completion, but it's a declaration of agreement to keep on walking in faith. Now, what we think sometimes is that, that, that saying amen is like kind of like a signing off pleasantry, you know? Like when you're talking on the phone and you say bye. Now, this is another interesting thing that we're learning in our home is how to talk on the phone. I have two kids now that have phones, and I don't know if it's the generation they're, they're, they're growing up in, but they don't know how to sign on and sign off the phone. Like, I'll call my son, and he doesn't say hello. So you call him up, and the phone's ringing, and then it just stops ringing, and there's nothing. And you're like, Gus? He's like, yeah. Bro, say, bro, say hello. I don't know. What are you doing? It's like the movie Heat where it just hangs up, right? Weird. But I don't know. I don't, but anyway, it's, it's not that. Like we think that, that amen is almost like a hanging up of the phone. Like, okay, by God, we're done. I'll connect with you again. We'll do this again tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel, but now we're done. But that's not what amen was designed to be by the Lord. Jesus in here models this continuation in prayer where, the, where it's not a hanging up. It's where we leave the line open. The line is open so that we can continually keep having this dialogue with God throughout our day. We're, and so often we miss out because we try, to, we try to shut it down. We yield in continuation. We yield to keep the conversation going with the Lord. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that we should never stop praying. If you hear that statement and you're like, Josh, I can't do that. I can't just never stop praying. Like, I got, I got to go to school and I got a job, and I can't just be praying all the time like that. You know, that's not going to work. People are going to think I'm a, I'm a weirdo. If that's what you're thinking, you don't really understand prayer the way Jesus modeled it. What Jesus modeled is that this prayer is this ongoing dialogue with the Lord where, you're, where you, you start and you open up your life and your day with Him, but then you continually keep Him on the line so you can continually go back to Him and have Him communicate with you throughout the day and what's going on in your life. What Jesus modeled in prayer is this invitation for us to connect with our Heavenly Father over and over again. To keep the dialogue going with Him all throughout the day. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to devote a specific time and a specific moment to prayer with the Lord. But I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is you're missing out on so much power if that's all prayer is to you. If prayer is just one moment in the day where you pray with the Lord and then you're done with him. And it's like, God, I'll, I'll catch you again tomorrow. You're missing out on so much of what God wants to do. So pray and keep on praying. Like Joe Dirt says, keep on keeping on. <laughs> keep on keeping on in prayer. Continual prayer looks like inviting God into your day. It's like that moment, moms, where you walk into the kid's playroom and it's trash and you say, Jesus, help. Right? It's that moment where you're getting ready to go into a meeting or you're getting ready to take a test at school and you're, you invite the Holy Spirit, you invite the Lord, Lord, would you help me to remember all the things I've been studying, remember what I've done in preparation so that I can, I can share and I'm, I've got boldness to share and to do what you're calling me to do in this moment. It's that moment where something good happens and you celebrate with the Lord. You believe he's actually with you and then you invite him into each and every moment. It's, it's, it's acting as if God is really real and he's really with you all the time. Yeah. Brendan Manning says it like this. I love this. What if the time you spend in prayer is when you refocus on Jesus so that you can carry his presence with you into the other 23 hours of the day with a heightened awareness that he is with you, that he is for you, that he likes you, that he hears your thoughts. 
He says, you do that and you start prayer. You start to pray in real time. You instinctively lift situations to the Lord in the actual moment that you're experiencing them while you're watching that distressing news report or hearing about your, your friend's latest crisis. You're no longer deferring all your prayer to some later holier moment because your whole life is becoming that holier moment. This is what Jesus models for us. It's this, it's this frequency in prayer. It's this proximity in prayer where God, you're, you're continually keeping the line open and communicating with the Lord all throughout your day. So yield in continuation. Don't disconnect. Keep the line open. Keep merging into conversation with the Lord. Have a yielded heart so you can merge into conversation with the Lord over and over again. Here's number two. Yield in confession. Am I helping you this morning? Yield and confession. Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus says to pray like this. He says, and forgive us our debts. Another translation says, forgive us our sins. Now, here's the thing. In order to really confess your sins, you have to be willing to dig up and acknowledge sins that need to be confessed. Like confessing your sins is not this generic like, Lord, if I've done anything wrong, forgive me. No, it's, it's actually... It's actually taking a moment and inviting the Holy Spirit to show you areas where maybe you need to get some stuff figured out. It's, it's going back and examining your day and asking yourself, where did I fall short? Where did I miss the mark? Where did maybe I took an off-ramp somewhere? Maybe I've been, on the, I've been on the road with the Lord, but I took an off-ramp over here, and now I want to merge back on. I want to yield myself to confession so I can merge back on to the path of love and mercy and grace that Jesus offers me. So God, forgive me if I've missed it. If I missed the mark, I recognize I missed the mark. I'm going to confess that before the Lord, and I may even need to confess it before someone else, a trusted friend. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He, talking about, talking about God, is faithful and is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we acknowledge in confession, we enable ourselves to receive of the forgiveness of God. And that forgiveness of God helps us to become a better version of ourselves. Because you know what, what happens so often with sin is, is sin disconnects us to God because we feel the shame of sin. And it causes us to feel like we can't connect with God like, like we should. It causes us to get so caught up in our mess that we don't really focus on who he is and what Jesus has already done for us. God deals with us in, in sin, in forgiveness. It's how he works. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, God does not deal with sin by ridding our lives of it as if it were a germ, mice in the attic, God does not deal with sin by amputation as if it was some gangrenous leg leaving us crippled, holiness on a crutch. God deals with sin by forgiving us. And when he forgives us, I love this, there is more of us, not less. God's not trying to cut you down to size. He's trying to build you up. And, and through confession, through forgiveness, we're able to receive of the, the, the work of Jesus Christ this, this Easter egg of forgiveness that's always available to grab a hold of that helps us to recognize the redeeming work of the blood of Jesus Christ that enables us to draw closer to the Lord. And guess what? The closer you are to God, the better you are. So confession draws us that way. And one of the things I've discovered about confession when it comes to like sin is confession really slows you down. Has anybody in here ever been to a wedding before? A few of you, right? Weddings are interesting because weddings, while every wedding is different, there's some things about weddings that are very similar, right? Especially if you go to a wedding and there's a DJ and there's dancing. Uh, there's going to be a moment where that DJ is trying to hype up the room. So that you're going to hear, some, if you go to a wedding, there's some songs you're going to hear. You're going to hear like, um, uh, Shut Up and Dance With Me. You guys know that one? You're going to hear that. You're going to probably hear YMCA. You're going to... Um, probably hear Dancing Queen at some moment. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, maybe not all those others, but I guarantee you at some point, there's going to be people doing the cha-cha slide. That's going to happen. <laughs> at every wedding, that's pretty much going to, to happen. But there's going to be a moment where the DJ decides to slow it down a little bit. And he's going to put on, you know, some Ed Sheeran, some Louis Armstrong, Etta James type stuff. And everything changes in this moment. All those, you know, hyped up people, they're going to they're gonna move off the dance floor. All the singles are going to start questioning everything about their life. <laughs> why, they're, why am I the way that I am? I'm going to go get some cake and go to the restroom now. 
But people like me who have not been on the dance floor making a fool out of ourselves, we're going to now step onto the dance floor because now I can slow dance with Sarah. Let's go. So I'm going to meet, because she's been out there. So I'm going to meet her out there. And we're, we're going to dance. She's not an idiot or anything. She just likes to dance. I don't. I like to make fun of the people. Anyway, we're going to get out there. And, and here's what happens. Like, there's this heightened sense of awareness that takes place when things slow down. Like, I don't know if you're necessarily questioning, you know, and thinking about deeply about your life while you're doing the cha-cha slide, although I would argue you should. <laughs> but you're out there and, and things are slowed down and like Louis Armstrong singing, what a wonderful world. And like, it starts to stir up some emotions for me. I start thinking about my life. I start thinking about, I got two daughters that are going to get married someday. And I'm going to have to give them away. And that's annoying. <laughs> I start thinking about me and Sarah and we got married and, and how God's blessed us and where we're at in our life with our kids and our family and our church. And like, never, like couldn't see all this stuff coming that God's done. Like there, there's something that happens when you slow down that even though like the energy goes down, the awareness goes up. You with me? Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that takes place in confession. It was like when, when Sunny was out on that field with all those eggs and there's chaos and there's so much going on all around her. We want to grab her attention in that moment. I want her to look to me so I can say, hey, don't get caught up in all this. Just focus on what's around you. Here's what's around you that you can start picking up. Confession is a moment where God invites us to look back at him and all the chaos and the brokenness of our sin where we can look back at him. And in that moment, he can say, hey, let me remind you of the work of Jesus Christ that's all around you that you can pick up on. There's mercy and there's grace and there's forgiveness and there's relationship and it's all around you and you can pick up on that. So just, just look at me and let me remind you of what Jesus did beyond what you did because the work that he did is greater than any work you could ever do. Someone say amen, so be it. So confession is that moment. It's that moment of slowing down so we can connect with God. Friedrich Buckner says this. He says to confess your sins to God is not to tell God anything he doesn't already know. Until you confess them, however, they are an abyss between you. When you confess them, they become the golden gate bridge. So in that moment before we confess, it's this blockage. But once we confess, it actually becomes this road, this path that we can merge onto that enables us to fall in line with God's love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Convert, confession merges you on the highway of God's love. So yield in confession. Here's number three. Yield in forgiveness. Yield and forgiveness. It's interesting and brilliant the way God sets this up. Look at back at verse 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Notice before God asks us to forgive others of the wrongs that they've done to us, he, he, he has us have this moment of reminding ourselves of the wrongs we've done before him. And the reason why is because th this is a reality you all need to understand. The revelation of the forgiveness you have received from Jesus fuels the fire for the forgiveness you can give to others through Jesus. Or in other words, uh, if you focus on what he, what Jesus did for you, it makes it a lot easier for you to forgive what they have done against you. Now, I get it. I, I, in a room full of people like this, I'm sure there's people in here that have had wrongs done against you, like legit wrongs. Not just stuff that's like you're just having a hard time forgiving, but stuff that like really legitimately you were wrong, you were hurt, someone let you down, someone betrayed you, someone caused you to have sleepless nights. They said they were going to be there and they weren't there. They said they would always be there for you and they weren't. There's things that happen. There's hurts. There's, there's wrongs. There's abuse. There's all sorts of stuff that happens. But the reality you have to recognize is this. No matter what's been done wrong against you, I guarantee you, God has forgiven you more than you will ever be asked to forgive anybody else. He's forgiven you of so much. And, and, and if you think about it, at the end of the day, this is the gospel message in a nutshell, isn't it? Like, isn't this what our, we believe our faith is built on as Christians, that, that we needed forgiveness? And, and before we could ever take a step towards receiving it, Jesus took a step towards us and offered it unto us. So since we've re received this great grace, this great forgiveness, shouldn't we as Christians first and foremost be people who are extending the hand of forgiveness unto other people? 
But, but the, the issue is this. If you don't feel forgiven, you're going to have a hard time forgiving. So the greater a revelation you get of the forgiveness that you've received, it enables you and empowers you to offer forgiveness to other people for the wrongs they've done against you. But the standard we're called to in forgiveness, let me just tell you, it's high. It's super high. Uh, Ephesians 4 says it like this. Paul talking, he says, let all. Everybody say all. all. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. That, that, that phrase put away from you means it's pushed away and it's pushed far out of your reach. So it's not just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it right there. But it's like, I'm going to throw this way far away where I can't get to it anymore. It says, and, and be kind to one another. We need a little bit more of that, right? Tenderhearted. Now look at this. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's the standard of forgiveness we're called to. Forgiving others as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. And when you really come to understand the depths of the forgiveness that Jesus gave to us, that we, we've, been, we've been offered through God, it, it's unbelievable. Like the call is a, is a high call because Jesus forgave us unconditionally. You remember Jesus is on the cross, Luke, two, Luke 23, and he says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Now in this moment, who's he saying to forgive? Forgive the people who put him on the cross. Forgive the people who've ripped chunks of his beard out and spit on him and lashed him and, and, and abused him and, and abandoned him and turned their back on him. The people who are responsible for him having to hang on that cross. And just so you know, that's you and I. He says, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they're doing. And let me remind you that in this moment, there's no one standing at the foot of the cross saying, God, I think we blew it here. Jesus, I think we were wrong. Would you forgive us? I'm sorry this is happening to you. That's not happening. Before anyone ever came to him asking for forgiveness, he offered it. He initiated forgiveness. And listen, this is who we're called to be as his followers. Practicing the way of Jesus means that we forgive other people, that we initiate. You say, Pastor Josh, I just don't think I can do that. Like this, this cut is deep. This thing that they did, it was, it was so wrong and it hurt so bad. Listen, I, maybe I can't relate to what you're experiencing, but I can tell you this. If you choose to not merge into this lane, if you choose to not yield to forgiveness, what you're doing, in essence, is you're choosing to merge onto the highway going the wrong way. And you are coming up on oncoming traffic. And if you keep driving that way, you may be able to avoid it for a little bit, but there is going to be a crash and it's going to be devastating. So God invites you, Jesus invites you to extend forgiveness unto others. We got to forgive. You got to let it go. You got to let it into the hands of the Lord. Tim Keller says this, the Lord's prayer teaches us that forgiveness is a mirror reflecting our redemption. Let me ask you, is that how forgiveness looks in your life? Is the forgiveness that you offer to others, does it reflect the redemption that's been offered to you through Jesus Christ? Before extending forgiveness, stand before the mirror of mercy, remembering how lavishly you've been forgiven. If you focus on what Jesus did for you, if you focus on the forgiveness he's offered to you, it makes it a lot easier for you to offer forgiveness to them for what they did. So we yield in continuation. We yield in confession. We yield to forgiveness. And here's the fourth and final point. We yield in guidance. Yield in guidance. We yield our life to the leading of the Lord. Or let me say it like this. We give Jesus the right of way. The right of way. It says this in Matthew 6, verse 13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Another translation says, don't let us yield to temptation. And this is interesting because here, here's what this is saying. If you don't choose to yield to God's guidance, you will inadvertently yield to Satan's temptations. In other words, if you don't choose to, to merge your life, to yield unto the Lord and to yield to the direction that he wants to take your life in, inadvertently you are merging your life onto the highway of where the enemy wants to take you. And where he wants to take you is to death, hell, and the grave. Is to destruction. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so if we don't intentionally choose to yield unto the Lord and to follow after him, we are unintentionally choosing to yield into the following of the enemy and, and stepping into the darkness that he has for us. Elizabeth Elliot said it like this, the will of God is not something you add to your life. It's a course you choose. You either line yourself up with the son of God 
or you capitulate to enter the principle which governs the rest of the world. The world is under a curse. And if you don't want to be under a curse, you choose to step out of the curse and step onto the way that God is leading you. We merge our life into following after Him and seeking Him and doing what He's called us to do. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man. And there's a lot of people that are merging their life onto the way that seems right to man. But everybody else is doing it this way. Everybody else is acting this way. Everybody else seems to be doing just fine doing it this way. But look what it says. But in the end, it, it, it's the way of death. It may, be, it may seem like you're going the right direction, but I'm telling you, that road's going to end somewhere. And there's a cliff you're driving towards, and it's going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to devastation. But there's a way that Jesus offers us, and it's the way of life. Jesus said it like this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has, has a way for you. And the, way, the reason he has a way is because Jesus has paved the way. He has made a way. And so now we can merge into his way and we can step into the life he offers us. Let me explain it kind of like this. Okay, imagine that I, I took you to, to uh, the Amazon jungle, right? And we're right outside the Amazon jungle. And I let you know, hey, you got to go in there. Like you got to step into this jungle. You got to navigate your way through that jungle. This is going to be your life moving forward. Now, I've got some good news for you. There's some good stuff in there. Like there's a lot of dangers in there. There's some stuff that'll kill you. Like there's elements that'll kill you. There are animals that'll kill, that'll kill you. There are bugs that'll kill you. You drink the water wrong, you can die. Like this place is, this place can, is a, can be a nightmare. It can be very bad. But there's also some treasure out there. There's some stuff that's been placed out there that you can, you can receive. And, and so here's the really good news is this guy right here. This is your guide. And he has been through this. He's gone through this. He's carved a path through this jungle. He knows this jungle. And he knows how to get you from here to there, to get you from this side of the jungle to the other side of the jungle. If you'll just follow him and yield your life to his leading, he'll get you not only there, but he'll, he'll help you arrive at some of the treasure that's there along the way. Now, here, here's the reality that me and you find ourselves in today. It's a jungle out there. You ever heard that term? It's true. Like there's stuff out there in the world that will kill you. And I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking about it'll kill your passion, it'll kill your purpose, it'll kill your calling, it will ruin your life. There's an enemy out there, it's a real world that's under a curse, that's broken, and, and if, and, 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 but there's a guide, there's a guide. His name is Jesus. And he's, he's navigated his way through that jungle. He's gone before you and made a way and carved a path. And, and he wants to lead you and guide you, not only to get you through it, but to get you to the treasure, the Easter eggs he's got laying all around as you go through it. And, and so the dumb thing for you to do is to say, I don't need the guide. Like that's a dumb, like, if, if, like put yourself in that, in that situation, the Amazon jungle, you're just gonna step out there on your own. And yet that's so often what we do. We think, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do it his way. I want to do it my way. I, don't want to, I want to be the boss of my life. I want to do things the way I want to do them. Listen, there's a better way. Give Jesus the right of way. Let him be the lead. Don't try to get ahead of him. Don't fall too far behind him. Merge your life onto the course that he wants to lead you because it's on that course that you find life. Proverbs 3 says that we trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. He will direct you to the blessings and the victory and, and the favor and the purpose. All of these things that he has for you. If you follow after him and merge your ways into his ways, if you merge into his ways and yield to his leading in your life, he'll lead you where you need to go. So yield to his guidance. And the good news for us is that he's gone before you. You know, he did what he's asking you to do. If you were here last week, uh, Pastor David talked about Luke 22, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is up against this challenge, the greatest challenge of all mankind. He, he's got the cross before him. He's under tremendous pressure, and it's not just the pain, the physical torture of what he's going to go through on the cross. Guys, it's the wrath of the, it's the cup of the wrath of God that's about to be poured out on him. It's the wrath for all sin, your sin, my sin, sins of the past, sins of the future. All of that is going to be poured on him. And it's, but, but I love what David said. He said, this was a real choice. Jesus had a choice here. And it says this, he says, Father, if it be your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, Listen, some of you need to get a nevertheless posture in your heart. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. 
Jesus chose to step into that jungle. He chose to step into that way to go before us and carve a way before there was a way carved to do what none of us could do and to face all that, to do what's called the Via Della Rosa, the road of suffering. But it was through the road of suffering. Yes, he faced suffering. Yes, he, he faced all of that sin and the cup of the wrath of God. It's through all of that that he experienced that he was able to, to walk out redemption for you and I. And it led to life. And I'm telling you, this road that Jesus offers you to follow along with him on is a road that leads to redemption. It leads to life. It's the best road for you. So, so listen, yield unto the Lord. Yield to his leading. Yield to where he wants to take you. It's the best life you could ever imagine. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus walked the path before you and he invites you to fall in behind him. To say, God, I give you the right of way. Not my will, but yours be done. This isn't my life to just live however I want to live it. This now is your life. You gave your life to me, and so now I surrender my life unto you. Not my will, but yours be done. And I recognize in doing that, that that's the best life I could ever imagine. It's in that way that I truly find life. It's in that way that I truly experience the the, the life you've called me to, the people you've called me to impact, and the, the world that you've called me to change and bring about your kingdom in this world. It's through a yielded heart. So our best bet is to merge into the way of the Lord. Amen. To yield unto him, to yield and follow him with all that we've got. If you would, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite our prayer team up in here in just a moment, because I believe there's some yielding that God wants to do. Uh, The altars have been packed all weekend. And I believe God is doing a work this weekend in our hearts and our lives to help us to merge into what it is he has for us so let me pray for you first lord heavenly father we come to you and we just just thank you for the grace that's been extended to us through jesus christ thank you lord that you went before us you made a way where there was no way there was no way there was no way we were we were trapped and we were doomed and jesus you came and you carved a path that we can follow and god we are grateful for that we are grateful for that we're grateful for what you've done in this series and i just pray that that throughout this series, that this has become something real to us. Well, we want to be a praying church full of people who don't just pray, but people of prayer. Oh God, we desire to be that church that lifts up your name and that brings about your will in this world. So Lord, today we, we just choose to yield in continuation, to yield to keeping the line open with you. God, our amen is not going to be a hang-up, but Lord, we, we pr- I pray that you would begin to show us even now, Holy Spirit, how we can begin to work you into the fabric of our life, how we can begin to keep the line open in a greater way than ever before so that you can interact with us the way you want to and that we can hear from you and be connected with you in a greater way than ever before. Lord, we choose to yield in confession where we've missed it, where we've made mistakes, God. I just pray that you would help us to see our shortcomings for what they are and and beyond that to see the work of the cross for what it is the greater work of the cross that's greater than any sin we could ever we could ever have done. And, and Lord, help us to honestly examine ourselves today where we might be missing the mark. Help us to examine that from a place of humility so we can, we can merge into what it is that you want to do. But we know that confession draws us closer to you and that's what we want. We want to be close to you. So God, empower us to confess what needs to be confessed before you and what needs to maybe be confessed before each other. But we yield to forgiveness, God, where, where people have hurt us, where people have broken our hearts, God, where we have these hangups and, and, and where we're hanging on to stuff, Lord, that's poisoning us, poisoning our soul. Well, we, we choose to trust you and release that into your hands. We remember today the forgiveness has been given to us. We've been forgiven so much more than we'll ever be asked to forgive. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to, to seal that in our hearts so that we can extend forgiveness to all those around us. And Lord, we yield to your guidance today. We yield to your leading. We pray that you would lead us and guide us. We know that your way is the best way. And it's not just the best way for us. It's the best way for for the world. Lord, that that the work you want to do in us and the work you want to do through us for our families and for our communities, God, comes from this position of yielding. Lord, so help us to yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite the the prayer team to come up. And if you would, church, would you stand with me? We're going to go back into a time of of worship here, but I really do believe that there's some yielding that needs to take place. There's some some merging onto the highway of God's love and forgiveness and mercy today. So maybe you're here today 
and you need to yield to confession. Maybe you've got some sin in your life. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you need to confess that he is Lord. Confess him as the God of your life and surrender your life over to him and follow after him from this day forward. Maybe you've got some sin that you're struggling with that's dominating you that you can't seem to get over and you need to confess that before man so that you can receive the healing that God wants. We'd love to pray with you for that. Maybe uh, today you've got some forgiveness that needs to be given away. I encourage you to to yield to that today. Don't don't drive against the flow of what God's doing. Don't don't head into ongoing traffic. There's gonna be a crash. There's brokenness that that that's that Jesus doesn't want you to experience. So let's let's yield that over to the Lord. Maybe today you need to come forward and tell one of our prayer team members, I, I'm harboring this unforgiveness against this person. And, and maybe even this week you need to go to some people and you need to talk to them and you need to get things right and need to offer forgiveness. Maybe today you, you find yourself in this place where you're saying, I just want to yield to be more committed unto the Lord to yield my life to follow after him in a greater way than I ever have before. I've been following him, but I keep merging off the highway. And I, I want to—I just want to pray that I will get on the highway and follow after God and merge into the, what he's calling me to do and stay the course with him in a greater way than ever before. If it's one of those things, or maybe it's something else, maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you, you need prayer for, for your finances. Maybe there's just something else going on. We, we say it all the time here at New Song. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And so don't leave today carrying a burden. I recognize today, if you leave today carrying that burden, you're not yielding unto the Lord. You're continuing to carry it yourself. And, and, and he's saying today, hey, give it up. Give it up. Stoop down. I, I, I get that it takes some, it may take laying down your pride, but be willing to stoop because it's when you lower yourself that God can lift you up. Humble yourself under his mighty hand that he may lift you up. He wants to lift you up today. So would you yield? Would you yield? If you would, would you put your hands on a posture of yieldedness here? That's what this is. Lord, I just pray for each person in here. I pray, Lord, that you'd begin to stir in their hearts what you want to do today. And Lord, for those who need prayer, I pray that even now, if you need prayer, you can go ahead and start making your way down to the altar. Even now that you would embolden them to step out and receive what you have for them. Embolden them because, that God, I know there's a work you want to do in them. And so as we yield unto you, Lord God, I pray that healing would take place, that redemption would take place, that we would step into greater levels of the mercy of God and the grace of God. Lord, I thank you for the person who's struggling with confession, but Lord, we, we, we believe today that, that confession makes grace more real, that if we say we believe in grace, that means we believe in confession. So help us to confess what needs to be confessed so we can engage with the grace that you're offering to us. Lord. I pray you draw all people to the altars that need prayer today. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.